here we are, commandment number nine. One more week left. How are you doing on these? Are you doing all right? All right, 10 o'clock so far. I got to tell you that you are, uh, you're coming in, you've got the bronze medal in, in response and energy, but you are loved nonetheless. Today's command, today's command number nine, today is this, love speaks life. Somebody say it out loud with me. Our verse today is verse 16 of chapter 20 in Exodus. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. The command is this, no false testimony against neighbor. The me- we say we got it, but here's the deal. Here's the meaning. You might, see, you might ask, hey, Dav, yeah, what do you mean? What, is the, what do you mean by false testimony? Well, it, it seems obvious, but let's just spell it out. It means to tell an untrue story that will hurt or harm the character or reputation of another person. Well, what other person? Your neighbor. And you might also ask, hey, Dav, yeah, well, who's my neighbor? Remember the the man in Luke asked Jesus, well, now, who's my neighbor? And what he really meant was, how can I get around this? Who can I avoid? Who can I say is not my neighbor? Well, there's good news and bad news. Doing a little, doing a little diving here, it looks like that the, the, the language used to connote neighbor and the understanding that was, that was attached to this and then practiced afterwards is this. When, the, when, when the, the Old Testament uses the word neighbor, it means, well, anyone. Anyone that you happen to come into contact with. So we can't say, oh, good, I can tell bad stories about people that aren't my neighbor. Anyone you happen to come into contact with, regardless of proximity or familiarity, any person you may have dealings with actually or even potentially. It's almost like the Lord takes seriously what we might say about other image bearers. Now, legally, this... This command has immediate implications. This command does three things. It's important that we hear them all. Number one, and most clearly, it prohibits providing false testimony as evidence against someone else. We got that right? Prohibits giving false testimony against someone else. But now remember, these commands are alive. That doesn't mean they change. That means that they reveal living truth and that they, they, they express themselves in application and in meaning. So not only do we have to recognize, not only does this prohibit providing false testimony against someone, it also prohibits not speaking up to defend someone who is unjustly accused. Okay? And it also prohibits being silent about wrongdoing. All of those are false testimony. To accuse falsely, to not speak up when you know someone is being falsely accused, or simply to remain silent in the face of cruelty and injustice. Those are false, that's false witness. Wow. 
Consider how this command is explained or applied. Remember that the rest of Exodus, Leviticus, and even Numbers tend to explain or apply the principles of the Decalogue. Here it is in Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 1 in the NIV. If anyone sins because they do not speak up, somebody said speak up. If anyone sins because they do not speak up when they hear a public charge to testify regarding something they have seen or learned about, they will be held responsible. Oh, my heavens. There it is again. This is the first time I'm saying it this weekend. Remember when we said, uh, when we talked about don't murder, how that was, how we were looking for the great, that we were looking for evangelism in the Decalogue? And that to, to not rescue the perishing or to not take action when we know someone is in peril is, is, to, is to violate the principle of, of don't murder. And we said therein is the principle even carries forth the implication for evangelism to, to go out of our way to make sure people know about Christ. Well, listen to this. If, anyone, they, if, you'll, if you don't speak up when you hear a public charge to testify about something you have seen or learned about. So, friends, if we are silent that we have learned about, we have seen and heard. But remember, that's what the apostle said. We cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. They're actually referring that they're saying the Decalogue insists the law. Remember when they say we, you must, we must obey God rather than the man? They're actually saying the Ten Commandments say we must testify about Jesus Christ. Well, I was excited because just now learned that. They will be held responsible. Here it is, here it is in, in the Living Bible. It says it this way. Anyone refusing to give testimony concerning what he knows about a crime is guilty. Now, legally, no society could maintain justice or fairness without this law. Ideally, ideally, people speak the truth about one another, especially in court, and this is the only way that we can maintain a just society. This was true for the Hebrew people. It was true in varying degrees and interpretations in other Near Eastern religions. People understood this as something that was true. There's something inside us that knows we must be able, we must have a certain degree of, of reliance or expectation that we're going to speak the truth about each other. It is our solemn duty as image bearers to speak justly, rightly, and fairly about other image bearers out of reverence for the glory of God. This is always about the glory of God. Significant implications legally. Ethically, the implications continue. There's our ethical concerns. This command, first of all, yes, it, 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 there's legal stuff, but this command governs more than our conduct in court. This command lays claim to the content of our speech about others at all times. This command lays claim. It lays a, has a, lays a claim to the content of our speech about anybody, anytime. Consider another application in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 16. Here's the NIV. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. And if that's complex for us, again, the Living Bible says it this way. 
Don't gossip. Somebody said, don't gossip. Hey, guys, we don't have to pretend we don't have guests coming. Come on in, find a seat, be helped. We're glad you're here. Everybody say, we're glad you're here. <laughs> so this command forbids us from speaking recklessly or maliciously about others in a way that would hurt their reputation and warns us to speak up. Someone say speak up. To speak up for others when their reputation or character is being maligned. We don't speak in a way that harms and we must speak up if someone is being harmed. (laughs) False witness, slander, is the first crime in the Bible. Now, I know some of you Bible people are going, hey, wait a minute, Dr. Dav. Uh, Cain and Abel, the first one was murder, actually. Well, that was a bad one, and that was between image bearers for sure. But the first crime in the Bible is false testimony, is slander. Is serpent speech. Serpent speech twists the words, the character, the motivation of another in order to advance our agenda or further our cause or elevate our ego. The serpent said, did God really say You know, basically this, you know you really can't trust him. He does not have your best interests in heart. He's not faithful. He's not good. You can't trust his promises. The serpent still speaks, still seeking to twist and and to malign the word and nature of God. Serpent speech always acts to the degradation of another person. And the truth is this, friends, we should be, we should be as shocked and repulsed by serpent speech as any other perverse or violent thing. Unfortunately, folks are usually only shocked and repulsed when they find out someone has been serpent speaking about them. A what? Yeah. Another little asterisk for 10 o'clock. Let me say this. Let me say this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I'll say this. Here's the deal, friends. If you keep wondering, and I know I'm, well, now he's gone from preaching to meddling, maybe. Uh, if you keep, why, if you keep asking yourself, golly, why, why do I, why do people keep talking about me? Why do I keep hearing all these things? People, why do I, why do people just saying stuff about me? I've got, and you need to ask you the question, are you sowing serpent speech? If you're sowing serpent speech, you are, you are stepping outside of that, that provision, that grace, that favor, and you are, you are asking for serpent speech about you. 
you are dancing with a serpent. We should be repulsed by it. Shocked by it. Spiritually, the New Testament amplifies our understanding of this command. Jesus first connects false testimony and slander as the same thing. And then he affirms that they are both evil and that they come from evil lurking in the heart and that when they come out, they defile us. They have a corrupting, defiling impact on our life. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19. He says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, We've already talked about where all this starts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft. Here he is going right through the Decalogue, right? False testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Now, Paul, he continues this. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Ephesus, he makes it clear that these kinds of words, serpent speech, are incompatible with the presence and influence of the Holy Spirit. We cannot honor and yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit and engage in serpent speech. Here's what he says, Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Don't you love how Paul does not give us a margin there? He rarely does. He doesn't say, you know, give it your best shot. Give it your best shot. Uh, try, try to avoid corrupt speech. We know it's impossible, but give it a whirl. <laughs> Do not let any, but only. Do not let any, but only. This, this is the expression. This is the norm. This is what comes from those who are yielding to the spirits. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. But only what is helpful for building others up. Our words should leave people up. Your words should take people from wherever they are and leave them higher and better than where you found them. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit them, literally, that we should speak with the purpose of compassion and empathy. Lord, help me, to, help me to feel what people need from my words and speak accordingly instead of just speaking for the joy of hearing my own voice. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Serpent speech is sin. It reveals impurity in our hearts. It defiles us as it comes out of our mouth. It sows discord and it causes pain. And it's not okay. It's just not okay. Anytime I can, I want to bless my parents. And, uh, and I'm going to say this is, this is true because, this, in other words, it is, this is truth as I remember it. I'm not trying to claim 
deity or divinity or perfection, so nobody get carried away. But this is, I'm, but it's honestly true of what I remember. I do not remember in my home negative speech about other people. I, I do not remember ever hearing our family get together and talk about other people in, a, in any other way other than, uh, I guess they tended to, we almost tended to just talk about how, like almost heroically, like we would, I remember just like, oh, this person, oh, they're so great. They're like, you know, I, you know, this is silly, but I remember like Daryl Bowen, like boom. I was I, one time I, I, I in the back of the room and 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 I, at church and the youth pastor Daryl Bowen was talking to somebody and my mom said, "Oh, you know Daryl, don't worry, he knows the Bible backwards and forwards. He'll handle this." That's the kind of stuff that I heard. Uh, whatever whatever passing comment was, uh, I don't even I don't even think it was always positive. But we just I just don't remember anybody ever like. And I remember the first time I was sitting in a home where I was listening to people engage in conversation, and I was I was and I and not because of piety but like naivety. I was shocked. Like what's going on? Everybody's just devout. It's like the whole menu is other people, and you're all eating them. This is weird. And I just want to honor my parents, whether because they, whether they intended to or not, or by the grace of God, I just don't remember anything else. But I was raised in a home where we, there, I, don't, I didn't hear serpent speech. We, weren't even allowed, we really weren't allowed to engage in serpent speech, about, serpent speech about each other. It sows discord and causes pain. So what I'm saying is don't do that in your house, right? Oh, it's just us in the van. Let's devour people. Don't do that. That's sin. You're sowing horrible things into generations. You're, you're training people to engage in something that will destroy them and others for a long time. So don't do that. This is the third time. I got more to say. Uh, how does this reveal our need for a savior? Duh. Because it really isn't a matter of if folks have engaged in serpent speech. It's a matter of how much and how often. To speak recklessly of others is as common is just commonplace subject matter. It's often disguised or called humor. Proverbs calls it the, you know, that we, we launch an arrow into our neighbor and then we wink at him and say, just kidding. Or it's far too often simply recreational conversation. Get together and chat. Let's talk about other people. One of the reasons is because Proverbs says that gossip is like a tasty morsel. Let's get together and have some appetizers and talk about people goes down like a tasty morsel. It tastes wonderful. It flatters us. It makes us feel better. But then it has this horrible aftertaste, like, like why did I have so much Taco Bell? <laughs> Hypothetically speaking. <laughs> Ooh, delicious. Ooh, not so delicious. And also because it's just easier to talk about others than to be vulnerable and real. And yet it's evil and it's dangerous. 
Friends, if we have twisted the words or conduct of another person in order to better our case or further our cause or elevate our ego, if we have spoken evil of others so as to harm their reputation, we need a savior. If we have remained silent in the bald face of injustice or cruelty, we need a savior. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus lays our need for a savior on the line in verses 36 and 37. He says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. I've got good news. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is forgiveness in him. <laughs> For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to separate us from our sin as far as the east is from the west, to clothe us with his righteousness. God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. We have a Savior. And also, ultimately, it reminds us that we, as followers of Jesus, we must rely upon the Holy Spirit's power. We must. Because it's not, we know, it's not enough just to know or to be informed what is right and wrong. I don't think there's anybody in here Anybody, I doubt, I seriously doubt. Anybody in here came in here and you were shocked to find out that it's that slander's wrong. What? Well, blow me over. Learn something new every day. You know it. You know it's wrong, especially when you felt it. You know that it's wrong. And but also it's also not good enough just to kind of want to do what is right. Knowing what is right isn't, and just wanting to do what is right isn't enough. Just so the, the the power of our message is not, hey, try harder, give it a shot. No, our message is not. It's not. It's not. It's not enough just to know what is right or wrong. It's not a no, or even just to want to. The Bible says that the law was powerless to produce this in us, but that God, the Holy Spirit, has moved into our lives in order to make us new from within, so that He can renew us and give us His desires. It is God who is working within you, both to will and to work according to His good pleasure. We need the Holy Spirit's infilling and his influence to live right. We rely upon his holy influence and his loving power. Paul said to the Galatian church in chapter 5 and verse 16, he said, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This gift of God to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit will lead us north when everything else is going south. 
Galatians chapter 5, in verse 25, Paul says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The Living Bible says, Since we are living now by the Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, including what comes out of our mouths. We remember Paul saying, don't let any unwholesome talk come out. Only what is helpful, only for building others up. Because you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the influence of the Holy Spirit is contrary to serpent speech. The Holy Spirit only speaks truth. And his influence causes us to speak life. Under his influence, our words will leave our neighbor better than we found them. Because love speaks life. Amen. Can I ask you to stand together as we close this morning? Lord, we want to just be honest, honest, honest with you. Honest before you, Lord. Search our hearts, search our mouths, Lord. I get the feeling that you probably won't have to search very long. Search our hearts, God, from impure things. Search our mouths, God, from saying hurtful and harmful things. And God, we confess that sin. We confess, Lord, that we have been a people of unclean lips. We have used our lips, our, our words in ways that have harmed others. We have refused to speak up. We have neglected to speak up to help others. Oh, Lord, we need a Savior. And we thank you that we have one. So, Lord, we want to be honest with you today. Lord, search us, cleanse us. We repent, Lord, from partnering with the serpent. We repent from partnering with the hiss of the serpent in our own homes. We repent, Lord, from partnering with the hiss of the serpent in our relationships. In our own private, quiet murmurs, Lord, we repent from partnering with the hiss of the serpent. And Lord, let there be no hiss of that serpent in this house. Cleanse us, wash us, free us from the power of that voice. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. We thank you that your forgiveness is full and total. We give you our hearts and our mouths, Lord to be used under the influence of your spirit to bless others, to praise you and to bless and to give grace to other people. This is our desire. We, we give ourselves to you, Lord, and we ask. Church, I want to encourage you to do this with me. 
we ask today that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. This whole room, let it be an altar now. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us this morning. Would you just ask again, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us today. Fill us today. Come, Holy Spirit, fill your church. Come and fill us. Come and flow out of us. Let every part of our lives come under your influence today. Thank you, God, for filling us afresh this morning. Lord, we yield to you to your loving power. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, if you would like someone to pray with you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit this morning, if you're looking for the Spirit of God to work in your life, we have those right now wanting to pray with you and for you. If you want to come and find a place to pray, someone will meet with you and pray with you. Otherwise, the Lord bless you. Grab your children. They're looking for you. Be kind to someone on your way out this morning.